God is so cool. I mean, uh, let's, I don't have a lot of time here today, so let's just go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I'm on a series uh, called uh, Christmas Anew, bringing it back to Jesus. And, um, you know, in this time uh, of the year, um, we really need as believers to focus and focus on who Christ is, why he came. And it's so important, you know, even our narrator, Don, he was narrating the uh, thing. He started getting choked up about it because of how awesome um, what happened over 2,000 years ago and how Jesus came. And Isaiah prophesied this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, 700 years before Christ was born. And this is what he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And... Um, you know, last week we, we dealt with the prophetic uh, name, Wonderful Counselor. And this week, I want to deal with Mighty God for a moment because, um, and I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to be pretty quick. I may not even get to your notes, but they're all there. You can study them later. But um, a lot of times we don't realize how mighty and how awesome God is. And when you give your life to the Lord, you're giving Him control of everything. Am I right? You say, God, I give you control. This is, this is no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And, uh, and so, but sometimes you kind of wonder. How many guys ever wonder, God, are you there? How many guys have ever doubted? Raise your hand before. Just raise your hand. You ever had a doubt? You're a liar if you're not raising your hand or you're just not listening. One. Um, we've all had doubts. Jeremiah is a perfect example of this. In Jeremiah 32, this great prophet, this awesome prophet of God, Jeremiah 32, verse 17, he says a statement here, and I've always read the statement, but I've always wondered about one word that he begins this, this, this verse with. Because um, he's in the midst of a very hard time of Israel. I mean, it's, it's really, everything's crumbling. In fact, a few chapters later, Israel's destroyed. I mean, Jerusalem is. And, um, and so the Lord, in, in chapter 32, has Jeremiah go buy a piece of land. And here he is, and he makes this, and we, we really focus on part of it. We focus on this, this statement of faith that he says here. Because here in, in Jeremiah 32, verse 7, he says, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord! You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and our outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. And it's so true. But this is, this is not how he said it. He begins it with awe. You say, well, that doesn't mean anything. But it means really a lot in the Hebrew. In Hebrew, it means a terrible groan. It's like, Ah! It's like, if I'll, 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 pro, I'll try to think what he was thinking. God, where are you? Why is all this happening to me and my people? How many have ever been there before? You may be there right now. I know I've been there. God, Why? Why is this happening? And here Jeremiah is saying, ah, this painful groan, okay. It's like, 
Ah, and some, some theologians say about this word alone, they call it the doubting faith. Now, I'm going to make a statement. I want you to stay with me on this because I want you to understand that what I'm saying here. And, and here's the statement. Faith always has its doubts. As a young Christian, I had this Im impression that if you ever doubt it, you, are lack, you lack faith. That faith and doubt were contrary to one another. And doubt was the opposite of faith. And, and uh, don't get me wrong, I believe doubt is the opposite of faith. If that's all you do. But I gradually began to understand something about doubt. That doubt is more than, it's not just the opposite of faith. It's actually the proof that faith exists. And that faith is there. Doubt is an attack upon faith. And so you cannot have doubt unless you have faith. Faith is the way God works. Don't get me wrong. Faith is what pleases God. Faith is what gets things done in the kingdom. But the enemy begins to attack any believer who has faith. And immediately, as you begin to act and live and to walk in faith, what happens? Doubt comes in, doesn't it? How many of you guys ever had that happen to you? Where you start, oh my, I don't know. There's something happening here. This is wrong. This is, uh, God, where are you? So doubt begins to arise because this is the result. Satan is trying to overflow, over, overthrow your faith in any way he can. And I've learned this, that um, there is no faith without doubt. Because we can establish this. I believe Jesus doubted. And you say, Sean, that's sacrilegious. No, it's not true. Because the Bible says that he was tempted in all areas. He was tempted in every area, yet without sinning. I believe he was tempted with doubt. But look at the Garden of Gethsemane. God, if there's any way that this cup can pass. He knew this was happening. Doubt is really, a lot of times, a part of the life of faith. And if you're trying to walk in faith and the promises of God have given you, you're going to be troubled by doubts. But I say to you that this is the proof of that you're really living in faith. And we've taken the wrong view of it. We've taken where we've condemned ourselves because we're doubting. But the, the thing about it is, and most of you, now listen, listen closely to this, because I, I want you to be set free in this. Most of you, when you're doubting, you're still walking, right? You're still getting up every morning and saying, no, in the name of Jesus. But God, there's something inside of you saying, God, where are you at? But you're still, you're still going forward. You're still in faith. But there's an attack upon your faith, and that's doubt. But the proof that you're living by faith, you can take an encourage. If you're receiving, if you're doubting right now, that's a proof that there's faith in you. Because the devil is coming to attack you. He's coming against you. He doesn't want you to focus on the mighty God. He wants you to focus on your doubt. No, there's no doubt about that. But you can take encourage that, man, I'm living. I'm moving forward. Doubt may come to you. And even you may say to doubt, doubt, I hear you. Because doubt can be very loud. How many know that? Doubt can be one of the loudest things in your life. And you'll say to doubt, doubt, I hear you. I hear you. 
You may say to doubt one day, doubt, I feel you, because doubt hurts, doesn't it? Because it hurts when, when you start doubting and things, and you start focusing a little bit on those issues or on those problems or on the past. You say, doubt, I hear you. But you will also say to doubt, because you are a son of God, and you are a joint heir of Jesus Christ. I may hear you, I may even feel you, but I will not be like you. I will not become you. I will not give in because I know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And, the, and you're going to hang in there because you're not going to let your doubts overthrow you. Amen? And so here's this prayer in Jeremiah. And here's what Jeremiah is doing. He starts out this prayer with verse 17. And he says, Ah, sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. And he begins to talk about the Lord. He begins to follow the same pattern of prayer that Jesus himself taught us. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Begin here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus is telling us to remind ourselves of the name of God. To remind ourselves who God is. The greatness of his being. The faithfulness of his character and this is what jeremiah is doing he starts off by reminding himself of god the god of power who made the heavens and earth and nothing is too hard for him he is a god of faithful love who saves and judges men and of the god of wisdom and truth whom history reveals and who has done great wonders among mankind whose wonders are embedded throughout history no one can disprove this God. And that's the kind of God he is. And so Jeremiah, this is what he begins to do. Even though his awe moment of doubt, he continues. And he speaks about who God is. He begins, Jeremiah is strengthening himself in the greatness of his God because of that ferocious attack on his faith. And he goes on, and we, we'll not read it all, but he starts to recount all of the history of Israel. And he begins to remember how God has worked with the people of Israel and how he delivered them, how he saved them. And he remarks the accuracy of his, all God's predictions, all of God's prophecies. He says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your, by your great power an outstretched arm. Now he's saying this in the same time he's doubting. But he's saying it with faith. He's, he's pressing in. And he may not feel like it. I don't know. I'm, he, I'm sure he doesn't feel like it at this point. But he's speaking to it. He's saying, God, nothing is too hard for you. And maybe you came to church today and you got problems. And maybe your marriage is a mess. Maybe your, your family's a mess. Maybe your, your finances are a mess. I don't know. Maybe the doctor gave you uh, a diagnosis that you don't know what to do with. Let me tell you something. Nothing, nothing is too hard for God. God is the mighty God. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. And that's what Jeremiah begins to remind himself, that nothing is impossible for him. Even though there's doubt, nothing is impossible for him. And that's the great thing to understand. When you're walking and living this life by faith, you're going to have doubts. And when doubts come, rejoice. Because you are a man of faith. You are a woman of faith.
and nothing is too hard for God. So you just press in and you start moving forward in the Lord and watch that victory come. You know what begins to happen during these times that we, we doubt? We don't really realize that God is moving, that he is, his power. He is the mighty God. God is, is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's omniscient. He understands and knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's, he's all-powerful. He's this great God. And a lot of times we're in this place and that, that we start focusing on those doubts. You know, never focus on your doubts. They're not of the Lord. But you start focusing on faith. But a lot of times we, we start and we don't realize and we start getting condemned and I'm doubting and then we start worrying, then we start being, getting away from where the Lord has us and because we don't realize that God is actually working. Listen, if you are a son and daughter of God, he is working in your life. You have to realize that. So I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know the problems that you're going through. Because I know I, I've been there. God, where is your power at? I'm thinking, where is it, God? What, what, what are you doing right now? I've, I've prayed. I've done this. I've, I've, I've asked you, God, where are you? And I begin to look back in my life, and I begin to see some of my greatest things of faith that I would say, man, I was a man of faith. I look back, man, I was doubting during that time, and I didn't know where you were gonna, God was going to do anything. And then all of a sudden, boom, something happened. And I went, oh, yeah, I'm there, but I wasn't there. But I know I trust my God because he's mighty. And I'm a son of God. And let me tell you something right now. No matter where you're at, if, you're, if you have been, God, where are you at? This is number one. I want you to understand this. Jesus is the mighty God, and his power is at work in you right now. And you may not even know it, but he's working in you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire... And what? The power to do what pleases him. You know, I look back at some of the troubles that have been in my life. Amen. And um, I, um, there's been times, man, I, I'm, I'm thinking, God, what are, I don't feel you. I don't know that you're there. But I, I go through the, I look back and I see that process where I, I don't feel God. God, where are you there? And, but I trusted him. Even though I was doubting, I trusted him. I kept on moving forward. I kept on believing his word. I, I might have those awe moments at times, but I'd speak the word out. And I, I would say, yes, Lord, and amen. Just like that song, no matter what, your promises are yes and amen. Even the sense of doubt being there. And then I look back and all those times, I see how God brought me through. But I didn't realize at the moment, I realized afterwards that God was doing something inside of me. He was changing me. And listen, I'm, I don't know if, you, if you're there today and you feel like yeah, God is absent from your life. Listen, that's a lie. He is not absent. He is in you. His power is in you. And he is changing you. He is working on you to, to giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Just keep on and don't give up.
focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, because he's doing something mightily in you. He is changing you right now, even if you don't even feel it. Amen? God's power is working in you to change you, to do what pleases him. You know what? This is what I I really believe this. God helps us with faith to believe. He knows what you're going through. And I believe there's times, as long as we continue to go forward in him, and we just continue, even no matter if it's a jump or an inch away, that God is doing something, and he's creating something in you. He's molding something in you. He is doing something inside of you. And then you continue, then boom, one day, something pops inside of you. And there's you start to receive all that he has for you. Jesus' power is working in you. Number two, Jesus' power is working for you. He's working for you. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 through 31, says this. This is powerful. Listen to this. He gives strength to the what? The weary. And increases the power of the weak. And even youth, now that word youth is, is not just, you know, someone that's young, but it's someone who's very powerful. It's like an Olympic uh, athlete, the best of the best. Even youth grows tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will what? Renew their strength. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this in verse 9. He says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? Weakness. That doesn't mean defeat. It means weakness. Paul, one of the, to me, one of the greatest men that ever lived, besides Jesus, says my power works best in weakness. God says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast. Get this. Boast about my weaknesses. Now, are you guys going to sit at the Christmas table and and you're going to go around and say, hey, listen, let's boast about what we're weak about, okay? (laughs) He says, I am glad to boast about my weakness. So what? So that the power of Christ, the mighty God, can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships and persecution and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's the pride issue with us. God is working in me. He's doing, he's changing me. Even though I may not feel like it and it's hard right now or something that's going on in your life hard and crying out to the Lord. You have those doubts, but you're continuing. But God, I I need something. And here's Jesus' power working for you right now, but may not be working for you in the way you think it should. Because he's bringing us to a place. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. You know, I used to think that when I got saved, that God was at my beck and call and everything was supposed to go correct. And I'm supposed to live a life like the rich and famous and go to Hawaii on the beach. 
is still one of my prayers, but but I'm in, in the at least it's warm today and it's not snowing. But anyway, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So he's working in me, but he's also working for me. Not that I'm the boss. He's working his will for me. You know, his will is the best thing you can be in, right? My dad owned a, uh, he was a locksmith. And uh, one day I was in the, in the shop. I was doing, um, fixing a lock for this customer. This customer was waiting. Um, very busy, always was in my dad's shop. And when my dad was there, he was, he was there too. He was getting some stuff. And, he was, uh, and I went, oh, crap. You know, that doesn't really mean good, you know, okay? And so um, I messed up this lock. And, uh, but I'm a fixer, so I want to fix what I messed up. How many guys are like that? It's very prideful, by the way. And, um, and so um, I'm, 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 I'm wanting to fix this lock. And he says, come on, let me get it, get it done, because the customer's waiting. He's been waiting for a little bit. I've been messing with it. He says, Sean, you need to get going. You've got another job to do. I'll, I'll finish this up. No, 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 Dad, I'm going to do it. Him and I start arguing, and, uh, and I get mad at him. I said, I, no, I'm fixing this lock. You go work on yourself. Now, my dad's the boss. He's the owner. And all of his other employees are around there looking at me, him and I fight. And not only them, but also the customer. Yeah, that's the way it went. And um, my dad looked at me. He says, give me that lock. I said, no. I mean, I'm just, just very prideful. And because my dad could fix it just in no time. Boom, get it done. I said, when I said no, he says, you're fired. Get out. I said, sure, you fix the lock. He did. And, um, <laughs> and he fixed it immediately. Now listen, let's, he told me to leave and left. And I left. I'm, and I got into my little um, Volkswagen GTI, which is a souped up rabbit. And um, not, not even souped up, because even the turbo didn't work on it. But anyway, and I made sure that my little, this little four-cylinder, you know, s- you know, spun out as I got out of the, the, the parking lot. I had to make sure it had it on sand, because they wouldn't have done it otherwise. And um, so I'm going home, and I'm, I'm going to go home, get something to eat, and I'm going to go out and find another job. My dad, he fixed the lock. He gets in his truck. He beats me home. Before I even get there, he gets, my, he gets my car payment. He gets my insurance payment. And he leaves a note because he got there before me. He left all that in there. Get, wrote a note to me and left before I even got home. That's how quick my dad was. Fixed the lock and got there. And he says, he says these are your responsibility now. Go get a job. So I went out and get, got a job. And that afternoon, my mom rehired me back. But anyway, that's another story. But... Um, <laughs> It's good. I love my family. Anyway, um, we're screwed up. But anyway, um, it's what we do with God. God, I'm weak, and I'm going to fix my weakness before you can do anything with me. But Paul says, my power, God's power, works best.
See, when you're lacking and you're doubting and you're hurting, it's okay to say, God, I'm weak. And I need you. I need you more than anything. I, I believe your word. It's just like Jeremiah. All sovereign Lord. And he goes into this faith statement. And he's not feeling it. But he's saying it anyway. Because he knows it's right. But God, I'm weak. And I need you. And that's what Paul's saying here. I am glad to boast about my weakness. He learned something. Because that's the only way that the power of Christ can work through me. Is if I say, not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, but your way be done. It's not my life, but it's your life. I give it to you. That is an act of faith. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of trust. It's actually an act of receiving and loving God. For when I'm weak, we can be strong. And then number three, Jesus' power works through you. That's the same one. One of my favorite scriptures, Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people basically everything about God in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Paul said this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith not might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Jesus, wonderful, counselor, mighty God. You notice this is the thing. This is faith. Is when um, I don't feel like it, but I do it anyway. You know, I, I have a message series that I want to do one day. It's called Confessions of a Pastor. <laughs> I'm going to confess to you right now. There's some Sundays I don't want to come to church. Don't look at me like that. You don't want to either sometimes, and you don't come. <laughs> Am I right? Sometimes I just don't want to. And, and sometimes it's because I'm tired. I mean, you guys are 11 o'clock church. I got to get here early. And our worship team has to get here a lot earlier than me. You need to bless them, by the way. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. Sometimes I, I feel inadequate, to be honest with you. And sometimes I'm, I'm just not prepared like I should be. I get up. And I have those awe moments of God. God, I don't feel like this. I don't think I can do it. I don't. But you know what? This is the thing. God, I know God's working in me. I know God is working for me. Amen? Don't worry, I'm not going to fall. But the thing about it is, Am I going to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me by faith? Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to pray for healing. Because I'm going to allow him to work 
humans. Because this is all the process of God. This is how the power of God works. This is how the mighty God, Jesus, works in your life. He works in you to give you the power to be and to do what pleases him. He works for you. He's changing you to be like him. He's doing things. He's putting the puzzle pieces together to come to a place where he's bringing you. He's putting this puzzle piece here. He's putting this puzzle piece here. Listen, remember, you gave him control, and you gave him the authority of your life to do his will, right? When you gave your life to Christ, that's what you signed up for. And you're allowing him to work for you, and he is working for you. It may not be like you wanted him to be. You may not be like you thought it'd be, and that's the best thing that it is not like what you want it to be because you and I are not smart enough to do it anyway. So it's better to let him to work it for you. But then you get up. Like Jeremiah, go buy a piece of property because God said so, even though another country is going to be over it. And you don't know why, but you know it's a testimony that God's going to do something good. And then you go on, God, I don't feel like this. I don't know why you had me do this, but I'm going to speak your word. I'm going to see how great you are. And that's how God was working through Jeremiah. He was speaking the word of the Lord, and he stood up, and he says, no matter what, you're a great and mighty God, and nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for God. And that's how you can have faith in the midst of even your doubt. Because you get up and say, I'm going to allow the Lord to work through me. When you get up in the morning and you get up and you wake your kids up to, for, for, for school and, and instead of getting just angry at them, you're going to pray for them. You're going to give them what you have and even maybe just a little bit. You're going to do it because you're going to allow the Lord to work through you. When you go to your workplace tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and you're going to allow the Lord to work through you. Because you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God, and he is doing something in you. He's doing something for you, and he's going to do something through you. That's the mighty God we serve. Amen? Father, we just bless you right now, and we thank you for your word, and that you are faithful. All of your promises are yes and amen. And we thank you, God, that you are working in us this season, that you are changing us, you are making us more like you. You are giving us the power to do what pleases you. And that, God, you are putting the puzzle pieces together and you are, you are working for us. You are, you are changing things. Even though we cannot see it, you're changing things in us. You're changing, changing things around us. You're changing things in our workplace. You're doing what is needed to have your will accomplished. The things that we have prayed according to your will is being done right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. And Father, you are also working through us right now. And we bless you. Father, I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. That you use ordinary men, Lord. Ordinary men. They weren't Pharisees, they weren't Sadducees, they weren't spiritual leaders. They were ordinary men that you worked through. And I thank you for us, God, that we are like them. We are ordinary men and women, but who know an extraordinary God, a powerful, mighty,